Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedikin. And Romy. <laughs> She's sitting on the table. So let's start out the show by thanking our lovely Patreon contributors. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. And this week we had Taylor, Ursula, Jamie, Shelby, John, Sarah, Kevin, Rhiannon, Jennifer, Anna, Christina, Alondra, Gloria, Debbie, Jordan, and Gabriella. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys so much. They have access to like 115 different bonus episodes. So if you're running out of content, go over to patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene and there's a ton of stuff over there. Cool. Yeah. Okay, Desi, if you haven't listened to part one go of, back. of Mommy Dearest, go back. We're doing part two today. Okay. Where we left off, Christina, poor Christina Crawford... <laughs> Was at school. Her mother had hired someone to clean out her closet and take all but two dresses that she had to wear for right. four months, humiliating her. I mean, to be honest, I wear the same two dresses <laughs> for once, once too. Yeah, I kind of wear the same thing every day too, especially now. Well, especially now, but even then, you know, you have your two favorite dresses that yeah. you just throw on. Like, right. I mean, I do. But when you're in high school, yeah, it's more. Everyone's seeing you. No one sees me, so it doesn't really yeah, matter. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I just wear what's most comfortable right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. So, but she had to wear the same two dresses for four months, and she was mortified. She's like 14 years old, 13 years old right. at this point. So this is like a humiliating thing for her right. to have to endure. By 1952, Joan had left Warner Brothers, and she hadn't done a film as good as Mildred Pierce, which was back in 1945. So... She wasn't doing like these successful films during the last few years she was with Warner Brothers. And she just was like, all these scripts that you're giving me and all these directors suck ass and I'm the only person pulling any weight around here. Yeah. And she left and, uh, but that same year she was actually nominated for another Academy Award for her role in RKO Pictures' Sudden Fear. Yes. So with a totally different studio, which was great. But again, she didn't. She wasn't connected to a studio. She didn't have a. wasn't under contract. She didn't have a studio to fall back on, right? To get work. So she was out on her own for the first time in her film career. Back at home, Joan was continuing to have an ever-changing cast of staff members, and it seemed that no one could stay working in the Crawford household for very long. Christina was saddened when one woman in particular, who took care of the children, was fired. When Christina was a young adult, she would reconnect with this woman, and she revealed to her that the real reason she got fired was something much more sinister than, or weird, I should say, yeah. than just like, oh, she didn't, she, she's insolent, or she didn't discipline the children enough. Right. So they reconnect as adults. Uh, according to Christina... The Joan came into this staff member's room drunk and woke her up demanding that she have a drink with her. The woman said no and Joan stormed off. But then Joan came back and hit on her. Ooh. I mean, that's kind of hot if Joan Crawford hits on you. Yes. A little scary. Probably also, a it's scary. a workplace situation. Yeah, we're not condoning sexual harassment in the workplace. Right. I mean, if Rachel was working for her, she would have. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
be honest. <laughs> I mean, I she was like by at least right i mean i think that was alleged i'm pretty sure she's one of the celebrities that was alleged to have been bisexual right but i wasn't sure if it was bisexual or lesbian right i mean who knows because back then you couldn't be lesbian like so they probably thought oh bisexual i can kind of as long as i'm with men still you couldn't be bi either right but i think that they kind of like Sometimes when they would be with both, they might have really been a lesbian, but they were trying to play the male thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I still think they would have hidden any kind of homosexual. Oh, I'm I'm not saying they weren't hiding it. I'm just saying that when people point to them dating men, it's like, well, was that really real? Right. That's all I meant. So she hits on this woman, and the woman turned her down, and of course that made Joan livid. Yeah. Because no one turns down Joan Crawford. What a weird situation. I mean, she put the woman in an awkward position. Because uh, if you didn't want to drink, you're not going to be like, well, I'll eat your pussy, though. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, yeah. You'd first, you maybe go for the pussy, and then we're like, well, what about a drink? Yeah, it seems like, like she did that backwards. Yeah. I mean, maybe she thought the drink would work her courage up or something. But then once the drink failed, I would imagine you, the lesbian or the um, sex thing goes out the window. Right. Right? Right. You're like, oh, she doesn't even want to have a cocktail with me. There's no way this is going to work. It's kind of like with guys hit on me on Twitter. It's like, I don't even follow you. Why would I fuck you? <laughs> like, right. Like, there has to be some sort of, like, things you hit first. Right. Before the fucking happens. No, she just went right for it because... At the end of the day, no one was turning down Joan Crawford. She was known for, like, fucking so many different guys. Yeah. Well, guys will, all, you mean, they're pretty easy to get. It's true. <laughs> guys are a lot easier to get into bed. But, yeah, Joan, yeah. Joan was a very sexual person. For as uptight as she was in a lot of respects, she loved her sex. Yeah. And I guess she wanted to fuck this staff member, which, again, we do not condone sexual harassment in the workplace no, in a purely not. fantasy based scenario though yeah that is kind of hot <laughs> if joan crawford hits on you back at school christina was staying on campus during the summer of 1953 and she got in trouble for having her boyfriend visit her room now nothing happened but the headmistress made the fatal mistake of calling joan and Ugh. informing her because again joan was constantly berating this woman to tell her about any minor infraction that Christina committed. Right, so she would just try to find something. Yeah, like this guy literally just came to her, visited her in her room for a moment. It wasn't anything salacious. But she had to give her something. She had to give her something, and Christina was a good student. She always got A's. She would occasionally get a B, and of course Joan Crawford needed her to get straight A's. Of course. Not even an A-. minus. Like nothing was good enough for this woman, as I'm sure if you listen to the first episode... Right. You understand. And I'm guessing she probably did not get straight A's. <laughs> right. We don't even know. Where are your college transcripts? She dropped out probably. <laughs> probably. Joan, of course, was furious about this, and she hauled ass over there with her secretary in tow. Joan was driving, but she was wasted. That's why she brought the secretary. She's like, I don't need you to drive. I just need you to make yeah. sure I'm okay while I'm driving Look, here drunk. She's safe in her own way, Rachel. <laughs> She doesn't believe in drunk driving alone. No. I mean, people were already just like drunk driving a lot more in yeah, the 50s. Yeah, I think we talked about that last episode a bit, that everyone was just like drunk driving. Or yeah. at some point, we I think did. we've talked about that before. I mean, that's like the classic. It's like, oh, the mom, the pregnant mom smoking a cigarette, having a cocktail and right. drunk driving. Um, now, in the movie, she has like one secretary. Is that like a compilation character? Yes. Okay. Yes, because she had... 
Because they seem very close in the movie. Like, yeah, yeah, there were definitely like compilation characters in the movie, meaning like one character in Mommy Dearest was a bunch of people combined because she had several. Right. Because she had the one secretary throughout almost the whole movie. Yeah. I can't remember her name right now. No, this was a different. I think this this woman was like on a rotation. I think she was there maybe longer like but this was the summer or the year excuse me when there were just staff members like a revolving door right. but this woman was there for a little bit longer so the secretary and Joan and they arrive at the school she ordered Christina into the car and as they were driving away Joan asked her secretary where she could find a liquor store <laughs> now Christina who knew the Palos Verdes area piped up and said that she knew of one a few blocks away Oh, boy. And I'm sure Christina thought she was just being helpful to her mother, who was being very hostile. Yes. And Joan slammed on the brakes when Christina offered the suggestion. She slammed on the brakes. She turned around. She slapped Christina, and she shouted, You always know where to find the boys and the booze, don't you? (laughs) I want a T-shirt with that. Just like, knows where the boys and booze are. What a great she's, compliment. And mind you, she's saying this to her 13-year-old child. Oh, God. I keep forgetting how young she is. She's so young. Yeah. She was portrayed so much older in the movie. But also the way she speaks to her, it's like an adult. Like, Yeah. You wouldn't speak that way to your 13-year-old. No. I mean, a normal person. And when Christina was home, she would endure the wrath of her mother yet again. About a week later, Joan and Christina went to dinner with one of Joan's friends who was in town visiting. Joan, of course, drank several vodkas at dinner. On the drive home, Joan's friend, her name was Dorothy, asked Christina about school. She asked about some of the kids that she knew who went there. And one of the kids that she asked about had happened to have been expelled from the school. And Christina said, oh, they were expelled. And that's when Joan chimed in with, who are you to talk since you were expelled? (gasps) Now, this was obviously a lie. Christina was never expelled from her school. Joan had simply dragged her off of campus for the rest of the summer. And, like, the school wasn't even in session at that point. This is a scene in the movie where she's like, this is a lie. (laughs) Yes. Right? Except the context, the scenario is slightly different. different. Yeah. In the movie, this scene happens when Joan is being interviewed for Red Book magazine. Right. And... Uh, the interviewer and Christina have a little small conversation or whatever. And Joan says to the interviewer woman, Christina was a naughty girl at school or whatever. And, and yeah, Christina goes, and they have a a cat fight in front of the red book. Yes. Writer, right. Which is a hilarious (laughs) fucking moment. That scene is, uh, stressful. (laughs) Cause when Christina is just like, that's a lie. Like the way she says it is so fucking, you know, it's going down. Oh Yeah. Yeah, and to do it in front of the magazine writer. And the magazine writer is just like, (laughs) her panic is just like, what the fuck am I seeing? This is like one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Like, so did that not happen? Well, yeah. uh, It did. It just wasn't with a red book lady. Okay. It was with Joan's friend who was visiting from town. Okay. So they're driving back in the car. Christina was fuming because this is a lie. And. Later that night, Christina confronted her mother. Why did you tell your friend Dorothy that I got expelled? I got expelled when it's not even true. Joan slapped her. How dare you challenge me, Christina? 
But Christina refused to back down. She was furious that her mom would lie to her friend's face like that about her. Joan slapped Christina again, but this time Dorothy had walked into the room and saw it happen. And that's when Joan called Christina into the other room to finish their little chat in private. (laughs) But Christina was not backing down. She confronted her mother again. Basically, she said, look, I thought you're supposed to be understanding because you're the parent and an adult, right? You're supposed to be the parent. She gave her that line. And for some reason, this comment absolutely enraged Joan. She went full on beast mode and lunged at Christina, grabbing her by the neck. And Christina fell backwards and hit her head. And her mother's hands were still clasped around (gasps) her neck. And now they were on the floor and Joan was screaming at her and choking her out. And Christina at this moment is thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die right now. My mother is going to kill me. Yeah. Like she literally thought this was it. For her. Like, that's how long the It's choking. a scary fight in the movie. Like, it's intense. Yeah. And that really, that, it was just as brutal yeah. in real life. I mean, from what Christina wrote in her book. Now, Joan's secretary burst into the room and tried to pull her off of Christina. And even when she was eventually pulled off, Jones kept slapping Christina after, even after she was pulled off of her. And... After the fight finally ended, Christina was ordered to sleep in a small room, which was usually relegated to the staff, and she was locked inside. (gasps) A few hours later, the door to the room Christina was in was unlocked, and she was told to come downstairs to the living room. There waiting for her was a juvenile corrections officer. He had been talking to Joan for some time. He told Joan to leave the room while he talked to Christina. He noticed Christina's face and asked if she'd been beaten up. Now, Christina hadn't seen her face in a mirror, but she would look at it later and said that she had a huge black eye (gasps) and her face was all swollen and like just fucked up. Clearly beaten up, yeah. Yeah, like really badly beaten. And she said yes and told him what had happened with her and her mother. She And then the juvenile officer basically said, look, you need to find out how to get along with your mother Otherwise, we're going to have to arrest you for being incorrigible. Ooh, you can get arrested for that, <laughs> Desi. Did you just how hear have that? I not get it? How did I not get arrested for that? I'm so mad. That seems like a fake charge. Like I've been arrested for being incorrigible. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said to her. Holy he said, shit! Right, and obviously this is like a child who's been abused. Right. I mean, he- that's like such an old school like arrest. Like, do you know what I mean? I don't think that even exists anymore. With There's child just, abuse? Well, just to arrest someone for being incorrigible. <laughs> like, I'm sure there'd be another charge. Like, they've changed the name or right. something, maybe. Like, I don't know. I, I well, Obviously, child abuse is a different story. But I'm sure children are taken away for being, like, out of control behavior-wise or something. He didn't even care that her face was all beaten up. No, this is, like, child abuse. Yes. Uh, for sure. Uh, he didn't even care that her face was being beaten up. He just looked at it as like, this is a personal fight. This is a you problem, lady. This is a right. personal fight. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah, with you and your mom. Just fucking settle down. Like I wasn't even like in a way like, hey, I can get you out of here. I can charge you to save you. He was just literally not, d- didn't even fucking care. He did not care. He yeah. didn't want to deal with Joan Crawford, who is a very wealthy woman, powerful woman. And he, what did she want him to do? Scare, scare her? her? Okay, yeah. He wa- she knew that the cop would take her side Uh so her 
whole motive was just to scare Christina and to be like, see, this man of authority says that you were bad. Right. This is your fault. And you'll t- you'll suffer the consequences. I won't suffer anything. Exactly. Yeah. And it was in that moment Christina realized, like, where are all the adults protecting me? Tell me about it. <laughs> Around this time, Joan began complaining that she was struggling with money. Even though Christina knew that she was raking in a ton of money per picture. Like, she was getting top dollar for each film that she was doing. And even though the films she was doing were dumb... They were, she was still getting paid her rate. Right. So Joan informed the head of Christina and Christopher's school, Mrs. Chadwick, that she would be slow with paying her tuition this year. Both children were put on partial scholarship, and as a result, they were required to do chores around the school, like making breakfast for the students, doing laundry, and office work. They had to work to go there. And I know Christina was basically questioning, like, I don't understand how my mom has all this money and we live in this huge house and she can't pay my tuition, which isn't even that much compared to other private schools in the area. So this was like, this felt like a personal attack to the kids. I'm sure that Joan was like, I didn't, I had to work for everything I got. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I don't think there's anything wrong with not giving your children life on a silver platter. I think that if you're a rich person, you're not, obligated to provide your children with like over the top luxury life. I but think, I think using it as a weapon though is different. Yes, I agree. I uh, agree. Absolutely. So, and, and she this, was trying to humiliate them. That was absolutely the motive. This wasn't about teaching them to work for what they wanted. Yeah. Or anything. It was yeah. a punishment. So in 1953, Joan Crawford went back to work for MGM for the first time in 12 years to film Torch Song. Even after this new job, Joan still claimed that she was running low on money. And again, Christina had no idea where any of it was going. Christina caught the acting bug while she was in school and began performing in school musicals and in chorus. Joan came to see Christina in a school play. The show was a huge success. Everyone loved it. It was a comedy, and Christina got a lot of laughs, and overall, she was just elated with the whole experience. Everyone told Joan how wonderful her daughter did. Joan told Christina she did a good job, but she had some notes. (laughs) For one thing, she should not work, she should work on not overacting so much. Mm. And she shouldn't gesticulate so much. Wow. Joan Crawford had this weird thing, and I read it in her like book that we talked about on the mini episode last week. She talked about not gesticulating a lot. As an actor, uh-huh. like she said, I would practice my lines with my hands behind my back. So I'd remind myself not to use my hands too much. Wow. So I guess she was like concerned with Christina using her hands a lot, but it's like you're a 13 year old in a school play. There's going to be some bad acting. Also, theater acting is bigger than screen acting. It's so different. Yeah. So I don't even think broad movements would make a difference. But like you said, also, it's like, kid play like, yeah who like cares? she's like, 13 this is like her first big acting role in yeah. her life or a big performance role whatever for a fucking school play i mean i read a whole article on something recently about the acting style back then compared to now and there was a lot of um focus on making sure the actors didn't move in any way really yeah it's just completely you know that got thrown out the window when like 
um, whatever Marlon Brando and that style came into fashion. But if you like look at older movies, there's a lot of them being very still and not moving. So I wonder if it was like a thing. Like they're constantly in neutral position. Yes, and there's not a lot of unless it's like a broadly comic role, maybe where right. they're sort of a fool and they make big, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it's like a it's like a definite acting style from that period. So maybe she just took it the extra mile. Right. <laughs> I mean, that was her acting style. Yeah. And, and I know that. Yeah, that that was her acting style. So she thought Christina should obviously have to do things her way, which yeah. was the right way. Well, she's a control freak. I mean, <laughs> if you haven't, if, if you, you haven't gleaned that, right? <laughs> Christina, of course, was devastated by this criticism. Ugh. I mean, all you want to hear from your mom or your parent after a school play is like, "You did great, even if you sucked ass." Seriously. One time, There's no time for notes. Like one time I was in a play that was so bad and like I wasn't terrible in it, but the material was so awful. This was when I was like 20 or something or 21. And my mom came to see it and I asked her how she liked the play and she gave me, she said, well, you looked great. <laughs> and I was like, mom, I know the play sucked. Like I, I know. Yeah. Like I knew it sucked. But at least she said something nice. Right. But I'll never forget that. You looked great. <laughs> <laughs> like, but she didn't say like, yeah, and the play sucked. She was just positive she was like, about she it. She was fine. She, she spent the whole play thinking of the things she could say. Thank you. <laughs> She's like, I need to find one positive thing. <laughs> Nothing appeared during the play except for that you looked great. And you know what I did? I did look great. Hey, it's something. It was something. But things weren't all terrible because for Christina's 15th birthday, Joan threw her a fabulous birthday dinner at Macumbo Nightclub Ooh. in West Hollywood. Now, do you know about Macumbo? Oh, yes. I want to go here, I even though go it's too. been closed down for I, decades. I want to go to every old Hollywood haunt, like, oh, for sure. Macumbo was on the Sunset Strip. It was open from 1941 to, I think, 59. So not that long of it was run. open. Yeah. But it was very popular with famous people, and it was a nightclub slash restaurant. It was everything you want in, like, an old-school Hollywood Definitely. place. So, of course, I had to look up the menu. <laughs> Because it is the most 40s, 50s menu I've ever read in my life. And I got so hungry while Uh, I was reading it. that's my ideal food. (laughs) Okay. Do you want to hear what we have for an appetizer? I'm guessing Clams Casino. (laughs) Close. Hearts of Celery and Jumbo Ripe Olives. Okay. 75 cents. Ooh. Lobster Cocktail Cardinal. Ooh. I don't know what lobster cocktail cardinal I is. I probably like it. I'm guessing. I, it sounds good because they also have a, sh- uh, oh no, they have shrimp cocktail. Mm-hmm. They have half a grapefruit, Supreme. That's for Joan. <laughs> <laughs> Onion soup, tomato or grapefruit juice, cream of tomato soup, and cold vichoisie. Is oh, that yeah. how you pronounce Vichyssoise. that? Vichyssoise. Vichyssoise. Yeah. Vichyssoise. What is this, that? It's like um, a potato, maybe like leek onion soup. But yeah. It's like very thin. Like it's not um, chunky. Yeah. It's like a I know fine, what you're talking yeah, about. It's good. Um, this, this menu is already, you can tell a lot of famous actresses go here based on the fact that they have grapefruit and juice. 
Oh, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like you can have the uh, lobster cocktail or you can have a diet, half a grapefruit supreme. Right. Now, for entrees, we have the lobster thermidor Prince de Monaco Ooh. for $4. Wow. Well, I mean, it was probably a lot more in today's money. Yeah. But even $4 seems cheap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Shrimp curry madras. Ooh. They have a minute steak. Nice. People love their minute steaks mm-hmm. back then. Uh, beef stroganoff. Ooh, yum. That's a classic old school dish. Filet mignon with a Bernays sauce. Of course. A grilled lamb chops. Broiled half spring chicken macumbo. Ooh. So whatever <laughs> their, their signature recipe, dish. Their signature dish for uh, $4, you can get half a chicken. Nice. Uh, Chateaubriand for two. Ooh. New York sirloin steak. And then for salads, these are the most 50s, 40s salads I've ever read about. Hearts of lettuce, romaine, sliced tomato. That's the salad. It's just sliced tomatoes. Uh, Mixed green or Caesar. And then for dessert, how about some crepe crepe Suzettes? Of course. You got to have crepe Suzettes at dessert. Cherry Jubilee and ice cream and sherbet. These are all flambés. Like, you know they came to the table on fire. On fucking fire. Yeah, I love it. This menu is a perfect menu. I love this menu. And I've always wanted Cherry's Jubilee. Yeah. I don't even really know what it is. I think I it's know like, what it is. It's like alcohol cherries over ice cream. Yes. And they're like flamed at some point. It's drunken cherries brought to your table flaming because they're soaked in alcohol or doused in alcohol, right. and then poured over vanilla ice cream. Yeah, that, I like that kind of thing. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, it sounds good. Um, I just can't have it because of all the alcohol in it. Yeah. But I like the, I'm sure it tastes delicious. Well, those are very alcoholy. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so Macumbo. Of course, I like spent like an hour like looking at all the different menus for Macumbo oh, like God. over the years like even though it was like a short-lived restaurant I was like I need to find if there's other ones yeah. if there's like specials and yeah. I don't know that obviously yeah it looked good so they have this fabulous party and a few weeks later Joan threw another party and this time it was at her home and Christina was asked to be her co-host <gasps> so things are going Ooh. good for yeah. Joan and Christina right now the party was filled with stars and Hollywood executives. Even Judy Garland was there. Whoa. She performed <gasps> at this party. Amazing. This was a big deal. Christina wondered how her mother could afford all of these expenses if she was really as broke as she <laughs> yeah, claimed. But she's like having fun, but then part of her is like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, like that's what happened. When they pulled in the ice sculpture of Joan, she's like, wait a minute. <laughs> This party costs like $5,000 too. Yeah, it's insane. I'm saying $5,000 in 1953 money. Right, so that's like 50 grand probably. Yeah. But happy times were short-lived for the Crawford children as Joan disinvited the kids home for Thanksgiving that year after a spat with Christina over the phone. So Christopher, Christina, you're both disinvited from Thanksgiving. And they would have to spend the holiday at boarding school, which honestly they were fine at. Yeah. They were fine about at this point. It's probably fun when everyone leaves and you get to stay. Yeah. They hung out with the staff who they loved at their boarding school. They liked the administration there. They got along with people. So it was like them and like two other kids who didn't have families to go to. Like people who like lived, who like were exchange students or something. Right. Um, But 
all, but this time, by this time, all the Crawford children, they were at boarding school. Oh, yeah, I guess the twins were at boarding school. I wonder if she did have the twins back home for Thanksgiving. I feel like she, like, I don't know. I feel like she used the two sets against each other. Yes. The twins were definitely treated differently than Mm -hmm. Christina and Christopher. Now, like I said, all the Crawford children are at boarding school at this point, and Joan hasn't paid tuition in years. She's (gasps) still not paying their tuition. A car arrived to pick up Christina one day. She was leaving the school, and she was devastated. And she just assumed that she was being driven home, but she found herself being taken in the opposite direction. And they weren't telling her where they were taking her. She was just being picked up from her boarding school one day and taken away. After about an hour of driving, the car pulled up to the Flint Ridge Sacred Heart Academy, a convent school. (gasps) Christina's mother instructed the nun who ran the school that she was to be given no privileges as she was a difficult child who was a troublemaker and a troublemaker at her last school. Christina spent Christmas at the school with the nuns and the girls who didn't have families to go home to. So she didn't even go home for Christmas that year. And Christopher was sent to military school. (gasps) In May of 1955, Christina found out through the radio that her mother had married again. His name was Alfred Steele, and he was the president of Pepsi. (laughs) They had gotten married in Vegas. Christina had never met or heard about this man in her life. The love of Joan's life? The president (laughs) of Pepsi-Cola? Never heard of this guy before. Finds out on the radio that she got married in Vegas. She's mortified. Christina was humiliated and furious that her mom kept this from her. And so she called Joan and Joan said, Christina, all you had to do was call Las Vegas. The whole world knows who I am. It's very simple. The information operator would have been able to locate me. Obviously, you didn't try very hard. (laughs) Hundreds of other people found us. (laughs) You idiot. (laughs) I mean, what? It had been over a year at Catholic school and Christina had only seen her mother once. She was informed that Joan and her new husband would be taking her and her siblings to Switzerland for Christmas. <gasps> and obviously she was excited about that. Yeah. Who doesn't want to go to the Swiss Alps for Christmas? And see um, Leif Garrett. <laughs> Wasn't that where he was he for Christmas? Did uh, Yeah, he went to the Olympics. <laughs> And did disco in the snow with the Jackson 5. Exactly. I mean, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Christina met her new stepfather, Alfred Steele, for the first time. Joan said to Christina of her husband, he's too fat, he wears glasses, and he's slightly hard of hearing in one ear, but he's a nice man. And he's rich. (laughs) And obviously he's rich. He's the president of Pepsi. Alfred Steele had grown Pepsi from a regional brand to an internationally consumed beverage. And yes, he was rich, and Pepsi was the new cola Yeah, at this point. It was the new kid on the block for a new generation, Pepsi. Over the holidays, the children were showered with new clothing and gifts before the Steele Crawfords headed off to New York and then to Europe, which they traveled to by ship. The waters were particularly rough that year, and Christina recalls a buffet table collapsing during turbulence and a giant roast turkey rolling off the table and then a chef chasing the turkey with, like, a, a fork, with, like, the big chef's fork. 
That sounds like a cartoon. That's fake. I feel like that's the only part of the story. The only part of the book I don't buy. Of all the stories, this is the one I don't believe. Like, I would buy the turkey falling, but not the chef chasing it with a fork. (laughs) Where does that end? She said it rolled through the dining table, the turkey, and he was chasing it with his big chef fork. With a big fork. (laughs) Mondo! why he's French. Oh, he's totally French. Are you kidding me? (laughs) He's fucking French, dude. In Switzerland, the family stayed in a fabulous hotel and spent the day hitting the slopes or ice skating or just exploring the village. Champagne and caviar was had and there were plenty of gifts on Christmas. Christina was even allowed to go out to parties with a boy that she had met. For the first time, the children had someone in their lives who they considered a father figure. They even called Alfred daddy. Aww. Everything was going perfectly until the day that they were all set to watch the Olympic trials. Joan decided that that day that she would rather just stay back at the hotel instead. Something was up. So when Alfred and the kids returned back to the hotel after being out all day, Joan was in a foul mood. Hmm. Because obviously they probably had a lot of fun and she stayed back at the hotel, which was her own idea. But still. How (laughs) dare you have fun without me? Christina could hear her mother and Alfred fighting that night. The kids didn't see much of their parents until New Year's Eve when they celebrated with a lavish party. After Switzerland, the family went on a tour of Europe. Christina recalls her parents fighting behind closed doors at various points during the trip, as well as her mother guzzling her favorite drink, 100-proof vodka. (laughs) But, she says, you'd never be able to tell the turmoil boiling beneath the surface from all the happy photographs. And, of course, there were paparazzi all throughout Europe taking pictures of Joan Crawford and her kids and her husband. Cool. Joan was so drunk that at one point she accused Christina of trying to steal her husband. (gasps) Wow. She was like, I saw the way you're looking at Alfred. (laughs) That's so gross. Which is obviously Christina was like, that made her want to hurl. Yeah. He's not a hot guy. First of all, he's not a hot guy. Second of all, Christina is 16 years old. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. And it's like her father figure. Yeah. What What a fucked up thing to accuse your child of. Joan is so competitive yeah. and jealous. She's a very competitive yeah. woman. When they returned back to the States, they stayed in New York at a hotel because Joan didn't like Alfred Steele's apartment. The apartment was big, but Joan thought the rooms were too small. She needed big- <laughs> Sure, it's big, but it's small. <laughs> That's just like the bitchy. She said she's like, it's cramped. Ugh. Even though it was like a... Like she can't stay somewhere for fucking two days no it's so irritating no she cannot she has to stay at the plaza christopher christopher and the twins went back to la but christina stayed in new york with her mother and alfred for another week they did a mother-daughter photo shoot together for women's home companion magazine christina was also taken to broadway shows and she even met with lee strasberg Ooh. Christina finally returned to Los Angeles at the end of January 1956. She had been gone for a month Damn. on this trip with her parents. Christina attended college at the Carnegie Mellon School of Drama in Pittsburgh, so she moved back east for college. This was Christina's first real taste of freedom and autonomy. 
Joan was shooting the story of Esther Costello in England, and the house in Brentwood was going to be up for sale soon. Her and Alfred decided that they would be living in New York. Joan continued to send letters to Christina as she had done when she was at boarding school. In one letter, she condescendingly wrote, Please don't wear your evening dresses to classes. Save them for dinner parties. Dress simply and watch the makeup. Play it down, not up. And please make me very happy by not using eyeshadow. Love, Mommy. (laughs) Christina was furious at this letter because she's like, you think I'm a fucking dumbass? I'm going to wear an evening dress to class? How much of a fucking idiot do you think I am, Mom? It's a pretty stupid letter. Yeah. Also, how would she even know? Like if she put eyeshadow on. Oh, she would know, Desi. Joan <laughs> she would had fucking spies know. at Carnegie Mellon. Come on. The statue's eyes would fall. <laughs> <laughs> it was September 1956, and Christina hadn't seen her mother since January when they were all in New York together. Joan did not go to Christina's high school graduation as she was having a wardrobe fitting that day. So they haven't seen each other in like nine months. Mm-hmm. Christina was heavily invested in pursuing acting at this point. Over spring break, Christina stayed with her friend at her parents' house in Brooklyn, and she noticed the difference of their family dynamic and her own. (laughs) She's like, wait a minute. Yeah. She's staying at her friend from college, her friend Mickey's house, like her family, their family, her family home. It's this nice little Jewish couple in this like very small, modest home in Brooklyn. And they're all like, yeah, sure, we got room for you to stay. And they're all loving and making home-cooked food for her. And she's like, wait a minute. Yeah, where's the rare steak? (laughs) (laughs) So Joan and Alfred were at their place in Manhattan. They all met up. But, of course, she wasn't allowed to stay with Joan or Alfred during this spring break because there was simply not enough room for Christina. (laughs) In this guy's huge fucking apartment. Look, just because it's a 4,000 square foot <laughs> penthouse. Joan has hat boxes. <laughs> Jesus. Christina did um, meet up with her parents to have lunch and go to shows, but that was it. Yeah. Joan and Alfred traveled around the country visiting various Pepsi Cola plants and attending meetings and events for the company. Joan certainly helped to drum up publicity for the growing brand. She was really the first celebrity attached to a brand right? like this, especially a soda company. And she was one of the only famous people who was doing commercials at that time. And Joan promoted Pepsi wherever she could, even if it was just like a talk show that was about her. She'd be like, and drink Pepsi. Right. Because she knew that money was coming to her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Christina moved to New York city in the fall and attended acting school there. She wanted to be close to the action and and she wanted to start working. Christina scraped by with hardly any money and when she like she Joan was giving her this allowance of $117 a month which was not enough for her to survive on with her apartment and her bills right. and her food. Like it was just barely enough. Yeah. And Joan refused. She's like, no, that's enough. You need to learn how to budget. Yeah. Um, So she definitely wanted to move into the city so she could be able to get work quicker. Joan was spotty about sending the allowance. So some months it just didn't come. Right. And she'd be fucked. And she was always having to eat her roommate's food because she was Mm -hmm. hungry all the time. Joan couldn't be reached. She was on safari in Africa with Alfred and just unavailable to talk to her. 
But when they returned to the States, Joan arranged to have some furniture sent to Christina's new apartment in Manhattan. Christina had moved in with her friend. Like I said, this is the friend she, Mickey, the one with the nice Jewish parents from Brooklyn. They moved in together. And after Christina returned home from school one day, she found that furniture had been moved in. Like Joan had finally moved some furniture into into their place. And the moving guy that she had hired was now attaching plastic ivy to the walls. (gasps) Christina's friend was fucking horrified. Like, what is that tacky plastic ivy doing on my walls? And this is like a New York girl, too. Yeah. She doesn't, she's already like not excited about this weird, tacky, bright colored furniture that Jones moved into the apartment. I'm like excited for it. But now this guy's putting plastic ivy on that's their walls. That's weird. Like, that's what the that walls That seems are... like something Joan would not want. Well, like, to clean it, you know? For Christina. Yeah. That's what she wants. So she's like, what is he doing? Make him take it down. So Christina told the guy, we don't want that fake ivy decorating our walls. And he replied that Miss Crawford had ordered it. And she shot back, well, I don't care what Miss Crawford has ordered. And he stormed out. Christina called her mom and thanked her for the furniture, but told her that the ivy was not necessary. Now, this infuriated Joan, because to her, the ivy, it was very necessary, Desi. (laughs) She spent time and money getting that ivy, and how dare Christina even question the ivy? Obviously, you don't have any taste, Christina. Ugh. I would have just been like, thanks, and not told the guy. I would have just ripped it down. (laughs) Totally. Christina and her friend, of course, laughed about this. Yeah. They thought it was hilarious. But a few days later, Christina got a letter in the mail from Joan. Now, mind you, Joan lives in the same fucking city as Christina. Right. But she's still sending her these formal letters, oh handwritten God. letters all the time. Christina, dear, I am enclosing an item from Dorothy Kilgalen's column tonight. What do you think this makes us sound like? When you go to school tomorrow, take the dirty blue jeans off, take a bath, and dress properly. Blue jeans are only meant to be worn when you paint and not when you leave the house. You must take a bath every day, Christina, and wash your underwear every night. All of it. Dress, dress for the neighborhood playhouse tomorrow as if you were going to a premiere. <gasps> Mommy. Oh, she was in a Dorothy Kilgallen column? <laughs> yeah. Joan was upset because in the Kilgallen column... Dorothy had written a blurb about Christina moving into her new apartment and about like, oh, and Christina's friend dropped off a hand-me-down bed for her. And I guess that she was wearing blue jeans. I found the column. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's like nothing. It's nothing. It's just like Joan it's just Crawford's like, here's like daughter. a slice of life. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Joan Crawford's daughter just moved into the city and she's moving in. She Her friend gave her his old bed. Oh, my God. And she was wearing blue jeans. Like it was so. She is a psycho bitch. It is nothing. And she freaked out. She had a meltdown about that. By the fall of 1957, Joan and Alfred were leaving their place on Sutton Street to move into a 16-room penthouse on 70th and 5th Avenue, which Desi, I'm sure you know, is a very upscale neighborhood, right next to the park. They were also doing a very expensive remodeling on the apartment, transforming the 16 rooms into eight large ones. I guess Joan had something about large rooms. She likes um, an open floor plan. <laughs> yeah, she really does. And I mean, I kind of like that too, but it's not like I won't stay in a place. You know what I mean? She wanted very large rooms. Yeah. 
Joan and her husband were spending over $500,000 to redo the place. Shit. 1957 Damn, that's a ton. Yeah. And the project was taking a really long time, which the neighbors were This is in the movie. This is in the movie. In the movie, though, it's portrayed as like Alfred doesn't want to spend the money. Right. But that's not... That's not true. That's not the issue. Yeah, they tried to make it like it was a, a money thing going on between them. No. Okay. But this was Joan having complete control and wanting to redo this it's apartment huge, massive, that they had just yeah. bought. And it wasn't good enough for her. And she needed these massive views looking directly at the park with these huge windows and knock down the walls so that all the rooms can be bigger. And there's no room for Christina to stay in because there's only two bedrooms. And the one bedroom's right. for you and one bedroom's for me. And the neighbors are mad. Alfred actually had a lawsuit filed against him because the disturbance of the construction was just going on for yeah. so long. Meanwhile, Christina, she's living on a strict allowance of $117 a month and was barely having enough to eat. She existed on a steady diet of Dinty Moore canned beef stew and Ooh. English muffins. <laughs> I don't like Dinty Moore. Do you like Dinty Moore? You know what? I've never had it, but I was obsessed with having it as a kid. Really? I always was like, I want that beef stew. <laughs> but I never had it. I like I seriously was obsessed with getting it. I don't know why I couldn't get it. I'm imagining it's not that expensive. Now, of course, I would never eat it. No. But I was obsessed with getting that Denty Moore beef stew. I wanted it so bad. Your mom just must have not gotten it for you on the principle of the thing. <laughs> she was an abuser. <laughs> So, Christina, the only time she was eating well was when her mom and stepfather would take her to lunch, but she didn't like going to those lunches anyway because she would have to get really dressed up. Ugh, yeah. And drag. even so, her mom would be like judging whatever outfit she was right. wearing. There was one time in like the dead of winter, they went to a restaurant and Christina, after the, after the bill was paid, uh, Joan and Alfred just bounced, like didn't even offer her a ride back to her place. Oh, shit. And she didn't have money for a cab, so she had to walk, and it was <gasps> like snowing and shit. Yeah. And she was like, fuck this. Yeah. I don't have lunch with you assholes. So, yeah, she just ate Dinty Moore and English muffins. Meanwhile, her mom's building yeah. this fucking fortress. Christina says that the finished apartment was spectacular looking, but it lacked any warmth. The floors were white and shiny and slippery, and the furniture was not comfortable to sit on. And of course, Joan had was like so controlling over the whole space. Like you had everyone had to take their shoes off, and no one could sit on the furniture unless there was plastic on it. She's like the original Kanye. That's like his house. It's all like white and like no furniture, basically. Like, dude, his house sterile, like creepy. It's wild to me. They're like. Even like the child's room. What's her name? What's their youngest daughter? Sushi. No. no. <laughs> what is it? Nori. <laughs> Nori. Sorry. North. 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 Right. North is one of them. North is the daughter. Her. But room, they call her Nori, right? Yes. Okay, that's why I was thinking. Because it's like sushi. Isn't that the seaweed? Nori. Yes. Yes, okay. it is. So North's room is monochromatic pink. And it's not like, oh, my child has a pink room. It's like my child has a a room from the seventh circle of hell. It's the entire thing is Pepto-Bismol colored. Yeah. And no, there's no other colors in the room. Remember their psychotic sink? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was, but it was like, no one wants this. It was like, there's no drain hole or something like that. Like the water just like 
I don't remember the what it was. The water just evaporates. There's like a thin slit. Yeah. Something like it was crazy. It's yeah. like the most non functional house, the most non comfortable house. It is psychotic. Yeah. It's, it's, that like space. It, it's in the DMS. Like it's like, it's fucked yeah, up. Yeah. Okay. Like it, it gives me hives. So that's what that it. reminds me of. Right. It's kind of white. I mean, this was a house to be looked at. Yeah. And not to be. Or for a photo shoot. Like, right. Yeah. But it was purely Joan. Yeah. It was very clean and very big. And her room was all pink and white. Ooh. And she had all these mirrored closets and everything was very organized and clean. There was nothing for Alfred. I think he had like a den. <laughs> like he got like a den yeah. or something. But everything else was pure Joan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, of course, also there were fake plants. <laughs> there were fake plants because she was tired of, she didn't want the dirt. Yeah. She didn't want the dirt in her house that's and she wild. could wash the plants with soap and water. Oh. So maybe that's why she was pushing that ivy. That's her that was her new thing. Yeah. Also wild. Yeah. I would read a four thousand word book on Joan's decorating <laughs> ideas. <laughs> you know what? It's probably in her book. Yeah, I love hearing these things that she thinks. No, you I only read one chapter, like the beauty in life and oh, right. like the beauty in um clothing chapter right but there's other chapters just like general lifestyle advice yeah, i love so her i'm lifestyle sure she advice. has like a decor section i love it yeah um anyway so that's that's where we're gonna leave off for part two okay i surprised desi i told her yesterday i can't fit all this into one last episode because we still have a lot to cover i'm excited from this saga i just love jones like psychotic decorating <laughs> I'm like fascinated. I want to like look up pictures. The weird thing to me is that I know she was like best friends with Billy Haynes for a while, who was like a very famous Hollywood interior designer. And his aesthetic is very over the top, kind of gaudy. Like what was that style a few years ago? Hollywood Regency. Yeah. Like his style is very over the top and um, campy, I guess, like bright colors and like, just outrageous design, like really cool stuff. And like what you think of old Hollywood. Right. So it's weird that she went into this new kind of sterile, uh, space right later on like when she was doing it herself yeah like she she clearly formulated these ideas and maybe her like whatever she has her ocd or controlling stuff just started kicking into high gear like more and more every year and she might have thought oh i live in new york now this is the new york aesthetic it's very modern right and it's like i need to keep it cleaner because i'm in a city where i'm constantly bringing dirt in do you know what I mean? It like, could have been in any number of I know. Excuses. I want to know what it is. Like, right. Um, but yeah, but Christina said that she missed the antiques that right. were in the Brentwood house. Because I'm sure that house was like the Billy Haynes with like the nice tufted sofas and like all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? I want to see. We should post some pictures if you have any good decor. I'm going to look for some. Yeah. I'm going to try and find pictures I of remember apartment. the apartment too in the movie. Yes. Because it was always under construction. I don't know that we ever saw the finished. We never saw yeah. the finished product. It was just like the tarps, the plastic tarps yes. and her walking around. And ordering people around. Right. And he's like there with a the calculator, the husband. Yeah. He's like, that is expensive, dear. Yeah. Dude, I, I told I told Desi when I told her this was going to be three parts, I was like, I haven't even gotten to shit with the husband yet. Like, yeah. we got to talk more about Alfred. Yeah. And what goes down with Pepsi. Okay. So next week, Pepsi, soap operas, (laughs) and 
the controversy of Mommy Dearest. Cool. Yeah. So check out the Instagram. Yeah. Hollywood crime scene. Yeah. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.